Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From SavannahNow.com, this is the Commute Podcast, presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Brimmer. On today's episode, as Savannah employers go, the fondness for what's known simply as the paper mill runs very deep around here. The plant along the Savannah River in Garden City opened 86 years ago and has operated every day since, employing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of Savannians as a generational employer. Savannah Morning News journalist Nancy Guan explores the legacy of the mill on today's episode of The Commute. Welcome to The Commute. Today is Tuesday, April the 26th, and again, I'm Adam Van Brimmer, opinion editor at Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today's commute is a different kind of episode. My colleague, Nancy Guan, recently worked on a story chronicling the legacy of the Savannah paper mill. And rather than limit it to a traditional news story, she went a step further and it added an audio element talking with a handful of longtime employees about the mill and what it means to the community. If you are familiar with the story core on NPR, you'll recognize the format. Nancy's look at the paper mill is coming up in just one minute after a message about the podcast presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Let's be honest here. When it comes to our office environments, we've all been just kind of making do since the COVID-19 outbreak hit. That makes right now the perfect time to freshen up the space. And the folks at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers, such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create great workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the report from journalist Nancy Horn. For 85 years, Savannah's paper plant has been one of the city's biggest industries. It's a monstrous operation, producing about a million tons of paper-based product each year. That product eventually ends up in our cardboard boxes, bags, container boards, you name it. That said, if you don't go out of your way to the paper plant, you might not ever see it in its entirety. The paper mill is nestled northwest of Savannah, but when you drive down West Lathrop Avenue and over the railroad tracks, it's like entering the Emerald City. Except, instead of seeing glinting green buildings, you see towering water boilers and tangles of metal apparatuses. If you have your windows down, though, you may have noticed something else first. I mean, it had a paper mill smell. That's Mike Collins, one of the paper mill's oldest workers. That smells like money, son. That's what it does. It smells like money. He's been at the mill for 42 years and comes from a generation of mill workers. Well, my grandparents, they started out in 1944. My father was working here also. He was working here. He's been working here since 1957. He's one of many in that camp. The paper mill employed several generations of families for decades. Karen Lowe is another. In February, I will have been out here... 37, 38 years. Her parents actually met at the paper plant. Both Karen and Mike say the paper mill is an inseparable part of their lives, something that has provided them and their family everything. But when they first started out here, they didn't think, this is going to be my place for the next 40 years. But that's just kind of what happened. In the beginning, I was 18 years old, right out of high school, and 
I needed a job. Put an application in here, and they did not hire you right away. Mike had to knock on the door of the hiring office multiple times, but eventually they gave him an entry-level job. That's where I've been ever since. In Mike's 42 years, he's worked about every job in his department. Yes, ma'am. I've done all the jobs all the way up from, from utility, Now he's in the top role in his department, overseeing other operators, and it's something he carries with a sense of pride. I'm fortunate enough to be a trainer on the machines. When Karen first started out, she had just gotten her degree in English from the University of Georgia. This was 40 years ago, you know, I didn't realize there were more things to do. She took a job assessments test, and it told her she'd be a great fit as a social worker. There's no way I could work with people with sad stories. So when the mill said they had an opening, he said, hey, woman's out for six weeks. They need somebody to fill in. Well, six weeks turned into 37 years. Karen works in what is maybe akin to quality control. She sits in a control room surrounded by computer screens filled with complicated diagrams and symbols. When she looks out through the plexiglass in front of her, there's a gigantic tangle of metal, the machine that turns wet pulp into paper. When Mike and Karen first started, though, the paper mill was somewhat of a different beast. A lot of the automated tasks done today were carried out by people. It was the year 1979, and Mike was working one of those now obsolete tasks on his first job at the mill. I started out on the broke beater. The broke beater took paper and physically broke it down so that it could be recycled. Mike and about four others were each in charge of feeding sheets of paper into a machine over and over. I remember my first night working here... Uh, it was on midnight shift. It seemed like all night long that thing was in upset condition. They had to keep re- re-threading the machine. 350-degree air was blowing the recycled slabs of paper dry, and it turned the room into a perpetual sauna. I remember it was about 4 o'clock in the morning. I got sick as a dog because I got overheated. I think I was getting overheated or whatever because it was hot. And back then, they gave us salt tablets to settle your stomach down. I went back to work, got off that morning, and uh, my father said, How you like it? I said, Daddy, I said, I quit. I said, I'm not going to do this for a living. I said, it's, it's, Everybody has that moment where they just want to quit, pack up and leave, and look for something else. For Mike, it was his first day. But for Karen... Four years in, I'd had enough. She worked in the test station where they'd measure the quality of the paper. Everything was done by hand. It was just the same thing day after day, she said. I just got tired of it. So, so she went dad. to the hiring manager and told her she was going to quit. But they said... Don't quit. We have another job opening. Made it through all the interviews, you know, and got chosen. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I might as well stick it out. As for Mike, his dad told him, just hang on. He says, just stay around till you get your first paycheck, son. And um, I made an agreement with him to stay around till I get my first paycheck, and uh, I've been here ever since. When Mike and Karen looked back on those decades at the mill, it was something about that first day or that first job that stuck with them. I can still remember it vividly how it was that day until today, you know. It took a different mindset to have to work here. It was a different world. But since then, he said he's hardly missed a day of work at all. For Karen, those first few years weren't defined by the monotony of testing strips of paper, but the people she met. There were only a few women at the mill. Well, they were a few years older, but um, they were strong. And, you know, so working with a bunch of men, you know, Back then, there was no, nobody cared about your feelings. You know, they talked to you however they wanted to and talked about whatever they wanted to. And, you know, you either sat there or didn't. But anyway, these women didn't take anything off those men. It's been 30 years since she last worked with them. Karen's the last woman from that group in the test station. The others had retired, and most have passed away after that. 
but she still feels tethered to them in a way. The women that I first worked with are some of the best people I've ever known. And in a way, she is still connected. Some of their grandsons and sons work out here, so that's always cool for me. Because one of them, we have the same, we share the same birthday. Yeah. People say, would you change anything or do something different? And I would have to say no. You know, I would have to, I'd have to say no because this is, this is what I've known all my life. It's a sense of pride now, you know, that I've been able to stay here this long and had the opportunity to stay here this long. But that doesn't mean he can't look forward to retirement. So my countdown clock for retirement is one year, 12 days, 22 hours, 31 minutes, and 19 seconds. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> Thanks very much to Nancy for that report. And with that, that's all for the Thursday Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. If you missed the Commute last week, for example, I spoke with Georgia's preeminent political insider, Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter Greg Bluestein. He recently published his first book, focused on Georgia's 2020 election, and he also spent some time prepping us for the 2022 election, which opens next week with early voting on Monday. Find that episode by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns Thursday when my colleague Will Peebles sets the stage for the start of that 2022 election. We'll talk to you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.